I was chatting to Pastor Jabin on Thursday about this message, and, and I understand that you all are in a series in the book of James, and I was excited to kind of dovetail with one of his messages, but he told me to go away because he didn't want me to kind of mess with his flow and steal some of his material. So, so he just said, hey, bring the most encouraging word you can bring. And, and that, that really uh, stirred something in my spirit because how many know that church is meant to be the most encouraging place anywhere on planet earth when the children of God gather? It's not about rules, it's not about regulations, it's not about doing some Jesus karaoke and sitting through a priestly pep talk. This is about experiencing counsel and comfort from the God of this universe who knows you and sees you, who's been with you the whole week. And he wants you to experience his love and his grace and his mercy, his compassion, his power, his majesty as we gather together on a Sunday. And so I took some time on Thursday to press into the heart of God and to ask this simple question, how, how can you use me to bring some encouragement to somebody in a season at City Light? And I'm about one minute into praying and I felt the Holy Spirit say that there is someone today who's going through a stormy season. The clouds have gathered, the storm has hit, your boat has been rocked and you're asking questions about when this season's gonna come to an end. But specifically, I felt the Holy Spirit say that some people are going through this season feeling like God's gone a little silent. You see, there are some storms in life that rock our boats, that shake us up, but are marked by God speaking, by God moving mighty, marvelously, miraculously. But every now and then, you'll go through a season in life where the clouds gather, the storm brews, and it hits. And you cry out to God and he doesn't react or respond quite as quickly as you would feel comfortable. In fact, if we would be really honest, it feels like sometimes someone's bumped the mute button in heaven and God goes uneasily quiet. And it's important for us, dare I say imperative for us as a faith community to process through where he is when he's silent in the storm. Because silence is distressing. Silence from God is disturbing. And silence not properly dealt with or processed becomes destructive to your journey. But how many know God didn't come all the way in his son Jesus and leave the Holy Spirit so that we'd be destroyed? He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us process through these real seasons so that we can come out the other side with life more abundant. Yeah. That's the reason he gives us the word of God and the spirit of God to process this question. Where is Jesus when he's silent in the storm? I remember a storm that my family and I went through, specifically my wife and I went through a couple of years ago, where it felt like God went a little quiet on us. The storm came in the form of our firstborn child, Caitlin. I'm not gonna lie, I came into child rearing pretty confident. I was a youth communicator. She was gonna be a young person. I thought we were gonna get each other. I read a book. I did everything that one could possibly do, I thought, to prepare themselves for the rigors of having a baby. And sure enough, for the first couple of months, it was pretty easy. Caitlin smiled for pictures, she ate well, she even, she even like kind of slept through them. I thought to myself, I should be writing a book. 
Then something happened after six months that didn't stop happening for two years. At 9 p.m. and then again at 11 p.m. and then again at 1 a.m. and then again at 3 a.m. Then again at 5 a.m. My baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that want to make you take pictures for all posterity. I'm talking about blood curling screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see if something flies out. That kind of crying. So my wife and I found ourselves for the first time in our life on this black couch in our little living room in our little rented apartment asking questions about God. There have been different times in our journey where the clouds gathered and the storm hit and we cried out to God and He reacted nearly instantaneously. Encouragement, protection, provision, a breakthrough, even the miraculous I've seen. But for some reason, this went from day to day, from week to week, from month to month, and eventually a couple of years. And it causes you to ask questions of God. You ask this question, God, I know you're good. That's what a bloodstained cross proves. But where's your goodness right now? Because my wife is processing through postnatal depression. She doesn't know what to do from here. She's in incredible pain. My wife also had mastitis and the women in the room just went, and all the guys went, huh? Like, and it's just, <laughs> it was so painful. And I know he's good, but where's his goodness right now? I know you're strong. That's what an empty tomb proves once and for all. You overcame death, but for some reason, you can't help us overcome this sleep situation. And because you're a good Christian soldier, you're doing everything right. You're praying, you know those desperate prayers in the middle of the night, but it feels like those prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You're claiming the word of God, you know what I'm saying? You pull out your Bible and you find every single verse with the word stillness, silence, peace, shut up, and you're just speaking it over your baby girl. You're rubbing the Bible on her head. But night after night, have you felt it before? Silence in the storm. I know you're good. I know you're strong, but where is your good strength right now? So we thought if the prayer wasn't going to solve it and the word of God wasn't going to bring the breakthrough, we thought we'd pull out the really big guns and bring Darlene Check into the mix. So I've got like some old Hillsong shout to the Lord kind of energy in our room. And so we're going to like kind of shout to the Lord and we're praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on our head. But night after night, going into week after week, unrelenting, the storm was. And Jesus was quiet, distressing, disturbing, becoming destructive to our journey. I thought to myself, okay, if Darlene can't sort this out with her worship music, I'm pulling out the really big guns. I'm bringing Joyce Meyer into the conversation. So I've got some Joyce Meyer preaching, Darlene singing, praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible in her head. But night after night, no relief. Same black couch. Same painful questions. Silence in the storm. Now, because we're a part of a faith community, an amazing church throughout this entire ordeal, there are well-meaning segments of every faith community who will remain nameless, women who will come forward with advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. Had this beautiful old Chinese lady come and tell me what I needed to do was to get some boiling Chinese tea and pour it on my daughter's back. And what would happen is a black hair would grow out, I need to shave that hair off and my baby girl would go to sleep. 
So here I am in the middle of the night, praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene is singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, because that's how you get. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm, and it doesn't feel like relief is coming anytime soon. And it feels like God's gone a little quiet on you. And before you Caucasian people get on your child rearing high horses, there were some crazy white remedies too. <laughs> Had this old lady tell me what I needed to do was get my baby and wrap her tightly in a towel and put her on a washing machine and turn the washing machine on. <laughs> There's actually a lady over there, sir, that actually works. I go, <laughs> Because that rocking motion would make my baby girl think she was in the womb again and she would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head, darling is singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, my baby's on the washing machine. Because <laughs> that's how you get when you go through a storm and you know God is good, but you can't feel the goodness in that moment. Come on, you know that he's strong. But it feels like it's been a while since he's flexed. What do you do in the middle of silence in the storm? Now, the reality is there are many people in the room right now who won't be able to empathize with sleep deprivation. A lot of y'all have gone through raising your little babies and they were just like kind of, you know, perfect little characters. Like I know that little Goldie Chavez was already like, she was like just cute and sweet right from the beginning, kind of rocking her little tutu and kind of just organizing stuff. I get it, all right? <laughs> but everyone in this room, come on, who's done any kind of journey with Jesus, if you were to be honest, can tell a story of what it's like to go through a season where it feels like you're going through a storm but God goes a little quiet. Come on. How about those financial storms? You're doing everything right by the book. You're giving, you're sowing, you're tithing. You're claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap your provider. You're doing everything right. But for some reason, instead of going forwards in your finances, you're going backwards. Maybe even this week you found yourself at your dinner table or at your desk in your office looking at the bills, trying to work out how to make ends meet when it feels like the ends are running away from one another. And you ask this question, hey God, I know that you're the one who owns cattle on a thousand hills, but why are you so silent in our provision storm right now? Come on, how about that family storm? Come on, mothers and fathers, they're called teenagers. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago, they were so sweet and cute and innocent, and you were doing everything right by the book. The Bible said that if you raise them a certain way, they wouldn't depart from these paths, but not only are they departing, they are sprinting away from these paths. And you ask the question in the quiet of your soul, hey Jesus, do you see my family? Do you see my kids? It feels like everyone else is getting taken care of. How about my children? Why are you so quiet in this storm? How about that singleness storm that some of us go through? You hear it all the time. Every pastor will tell you, oh, it's a great season to be in and hey, just embrace it. It's from the Lord and all that kind of stuff. But behind your smile is a broken heart as you ask this question, am I ever gonna find the one who's gonna complete me? <laughs> There's a young woman in the room right now who's doing everything right by the book. Like I'm dating Jesus in the meantime, I'm staying pure, I'm staying holy, I'm just waiting for someone who looks like kind of Edward and Jacob and reads their Bible and I kind of... <laughs> 
And we laugh right now, but some of us weren't laughing last night. As you ask the question, hey, I'm praying about this. I'm seeking you on this. I'm available, God. Why are you gone silent in this storm? How about the married people in the room who are going through a storm? Husbands and wives who feel the fracture. It was only a couple of years ago where it felt like you were off to such a hot start and nothing could separate you, but now you find yourself in separate parts of the house crying out to the same God, would you heal this marriage? But it feels like we're two ships in the night now, silence in the storm. Come on, how about that sickness, that illness, that disease? Even one of my closest friends right now, I mean, I'm like, hanging out with him last week as he's going through another operation, trying to deal with a cancer that just won't go away. And you know God is good and you know God is strong and it frustrates you because you've testified to the healings and the miracles that you've seen in other people's lives, but for one of your best golf buddies, it feels like this is not his story. So you try to pray your greatest prayer of faith, but in your heart, if I'm going to be real with you, I'm kind of angry. Where are you for my buddy? Because he's one of the good ones. Silence in the storm. So if you've been through one of those seasons, smile. You're not alone. We're all knit together by this common thread. Smile even wider. Because you have something to help you to go forward. That's the reason God gives us the Bible. The Bible isn't just an old piece of literature from back in the day. The Bible is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with you every day. And so he gives us the word of God and the spirit of God to process this question. And on Thursday, as I was processing this question... I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Gospels. I think Pastor Jabin even preached from this text back in 2020. I remember hearing his messages from this text. But I don't want to focus on the end part of the message about God breaking through and God bringing about a miracle. I want to ask this question, where he actually was. No, no, specifically where he is right now when it feels like he's gone quiet in your store. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark chapter four? Mark chapter four, verse 35. As soon as I start reading this story, a lot of you guys will recognize this. But again, I'm trying to focus in on not necessarily Jesus calming the wind and the waves and ending a storm. No, I wanna go way back to the beginning and ask this question, where he is for me? when it feels like he's gone quiet in my store. Mark chapter four, verse 35, the Bible says, that day when evening came, he, this is Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, that's a massive storm, came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that it was nearly swamped, they nearly sunk. And the whole time, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because this story resonates with seasons that I've been through. I'm just a disciple trying to get from point A through to point B and stay close to Jesus. And on this day, the disciples are told to get into the boat and to go over to the other side. I want you to take note that the disciples were technically smack bang in the middle of God's will. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. We need to break this erroneous paganistic thinking that says that when something bad is happening to you, it means that God has forgotten you. Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. Sometimes storms hit people who are being obedient and are in the center, come on, of God's will. So they're going to the other side and as they're riding along, Jesus falls asleep and then this furious squall, this massive storm comes up and hits their boat. They're rocked, they're soaked, they're drenched, they're terrified. They're saying goodbye to one another. Hey, this is it. It's the big one. We're going under. I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. There's a lot of goodbyes going on. And the whole way through this ordeal, Jesus is right there in the middle of it all, but he's incredibly quiet. He's in a deep state of dream-producing sleep, seemingly disconnected from their plight. Eventually, the disciples wake Jesus up. He turns to the wind and the waves, says, Peace be still, creation is calm, revelation is revealed. But more about that later. I want to answer this question. Where was Jesus? No, where is Jesus right now when it feels like he's quiet in our storm? If you're taking down notes, leather-bound journals and pens are very, very helpful. iPhones, iPods, iPads. Blackberry devices, if you're from the 90s. <laughs> Samsung devices, if you're one of those contrarians, we got a great deal at Verizon. But mess up all of our group messages now with your green bubble energy, just like kind of so invasive. <laughs> I need you to scribble these three things down. If you got like a little bit of spare thigh space and a free kind of tattoo gun, like you want, you want, you want to be helped in the journey, I need you to get this stuff down. Where is Jesus when he's silent in our storm? Point number one, he is still in your boat. If you get nothing else today, I hope and pray that you walk away with this. The storm may be raging, the rain may be falling, your boat may be rocking, the peace may feel like it has left, but I promise you Jesus is still in your boat. That's what the Bible says there, right at the beginning of the story in verse 35, they took Jesus along just as he was, come on, in the boat. He had not left them, he had not forsaken them. The one who promised to be with them to the very end of this age was keeping his promise in that moment. The one whose name is Emmanuel, God with us, stays with us, and right now he is still in your boat. In your household, he is still in your boat. In your business, he is still in your boat. In your pain, he is still in your boat. In your fear, he is still in your boat. 
in that hospital room. He is still in your boat. He doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. When the going gets hot, Jesus doesn't get going. Elvis may have left the building, but Jesus is smack bang in the middle of your situation. He is still in your boat. In the kingdom of God, silence doesn't mean absence. He is still in your boat. He didn't go anywhere. He's hanging out. The rain's drenching the disciples. The rain is drenching Jesus. The waves are shaking the disciples. The waves are shaking shaking Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus too would have capsized and would have to make a swim slash walk for shore. Why? Because Jesus was still in the boat. This is a word for me even in this season. Because I know for my family and myself, we're waiting on God for a miracle. I don't know if we're going through a green card process at the moment because we love America and we want to be here for like ever. We haven't met before. I'm actually from Melbourne, Australia originally. That's the reason I sound funny. And we got told a couple of years ago, yeah, it's all good. It's been like a couple of years. It's all good. And we got a letter this week telling us, hey, you know what we said like a couple of years, like... We're here legally, don't freak out anyone, like kind of, (laughs) put your phones away, don't be reporting. I'm here, it's all good for now. We got this, like a crushing letter this week telling us that um, everything that we've applied for, it doesn't basically count anymore. Do you know what retrogression means? It sounds horrible. We didn't even know what it meant. And we're like, we're having to like Google this stuff. So my wife and my son and my daughter, we're just hanging out and we're just praying together around the dinner table. But we know he's still in our boat. And he's in yours. Not only is he still in your boat, number two, write this one down, he's still in control. Say control. Control. Say control. control. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's still in control. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, he's still in control. Not only is Jesus forever still in your boat, he's still in total and absolute control. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that throughout this entire ordeal, Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now I can understand why some people would take that as a symbol of his nonchalance, his apathy, the fact that he doesn't care. His disciples are going through it and Jesus is out there sleeping. But can I suggest to you that the Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God would demonstrate his love for us in this, that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Or in other words, there is indisputable proof that God loves us through Jesus. So we must therefore logically conclude that if he slept, he didn't sleep because he didn't love. He must have slept for another reason. And I want to suggest to you he slept because he didn't stress. He was sleeping like a baby, if you will. Well, your baby, not mine. (laughs) Because he's in total control. Colossians chapter one tells us that he's the firstborn over all creation. 
through whom everything was made, in whom everything is held together. He's literally got the whole world in his hands. He's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning, he's the end, he's the writer, the director, the producer, the star of this movie and the final credits don't get to roll until Jesus says they roll. And they weren't rolling yet. And if the disciples paid closer attention to Jesus' words, they would have been probably sleeping too because Jesus said right there in the beginning of the story, let us go over to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hey, today looks like a lovely day to go into the middle of a random lake to drown. He said, we're getting to the other side. If you all paid more attention to his words, you would stress so far less. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. How does rain freak you out when you invented rain? How does a lake threaten you when you made the lake? He's got you in his hands. He is still in control. He doesn't slip. A lot of the Gen Z people in the room will not recognize this amazing American Italian ambassador to the world from the 80s and the 90s. His name is Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I feel so sorry for your generation because you missed out on this man who was basically in every single movie. <laughs> Played the exact same role. <laughs> just with a different name. <laughs> every single one. There was a movie in the 90s. Does anyone remember the movie Cliffhanger? Remember Cliffhanger? So in Cliffhanger, he'd be like, like a rock climber dude, right? And he's like out there and in the opening scene, he's rock climbing with a woman who seems inconsequential to the rest of the plot. So you know what's gonna happen, okay? She's gonna fall, all right? So sure enough, they're like climbing, climbing, climbing and boom, she falls and then Sly grabs her hand. Could you imagine? Just hanging over like a 200 foot jagged rock drop and the guy trying to calm you down is <laughs> You think to yourself for a moment, if there's someone in Hollywood who has the arm strength, the history of steroid use to potentially lift this woman to safety, yo, it's Sly. But even Sly couldn't hold on because what happens? Eventually, he would slip, lose grip. The woman would fall in slow motion. <sighs> and the last thing she sees before she hits the ground is, <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> there was a song in Sunday school that used to be sung called, there's nothing my God cannot do. Not true. God cannot fail. God cannot lie. God cannot slip. God cannot lose grip. You are either sovereign over all or not sovereign at all. And he is in total and absolute control. That's okay for you to freak out in the meantime because we're not in control. It's okay to feel fear rise up in your heart as you look at society and think to yourself, how much crazier can we get? Do you ever feel that way? When you look at the world and how crazy it's getting, you think to yourself, is this as, man, the world could not get any crazier. And then what does the world go ahead and do? The world says, hey, hold my beer, watch this. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> but he's still in control. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. Thirdly and lastly, 
Not only is he still in your boat, not only is he still in control, number three, he is still up to something good. He is still up to something good. How do we know this? Because as the story comes to an end, finally the disciples wake Jesus up. I don't know how they woke Jesus up. I know they would have been a little bit intimidated and scared because the day before they saw Jesus like raise someone from the dead. They must have assumed he could do the opposite. So they're not trying to like spook or startle Jesus. But there's a conversation going on. Yo, Pete, you need to wake Jesus up. You always shooting your mouth off. You're like our spokesperson. You should say something. And then Peter's like going, he called me Satan yesterday. I'm not trying to push it right now. Hey, Judas, you should go say something to Jesus. Wake him up. And Judas, like, I don't know. He always looks at me funny. Like he doesn't trust me. And I, okay. So someone wakes Jesus up. And then he turns to the wind and the waves and he says, quiet, be still. And creation is calmed. Don't ever allow a season of silence to rob you of the revelation that our God is as strong and as majestic as he has ever been. And with a word, with a move, come on, with one breath, God can turn the most in, impossible situation coming around. He can bring about the most mighty and marvelous, miraculous things for your life. I, I just feel like I need to take you to Sunday school for like 30 seconds. Isn't that cool to remind you that even in the middle of your season of silence, God is as strong as He has ever been. Come on, He is strong enough to create the heavens and the earth in six days and still give us a day off to watch Raider football. Come on, he's our God. He's so strong. He can bring forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, our God is so strong. He can split a Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. Our God is so strong. He can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. This our God, he's so strong. He can fell the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, this our God, he's so strong. He can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church. He's as strong as he has ever been in this moment. And in a word, he can turn everything around. Just in the meantime, don't miss it. He's up to something good. What do you mean he's up to something good? He left his disciples hanging. No, no. Because you see, at the end of the story, the disciples convey a meaning. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Or in other words, we know more about God at the end of this season than we did going into the season. And because God is more interested in the faith that is growing, the men and women of trust you're becoming, come on, and the beautiful things that He wants to do through those seasons. He'll allow you to go through a governed season of silence. Knowing that He can say things and do things in that moment He couldn't do unless for the silence. Your faith doesn't grow when God is booming. It grows when you lovingly strain to hear that still small voice. Smile. This is really good news. I wish I could wrap up this message with a really neat kind of miracle breakthrough story, the tie of bow on it. I wish I could tell you that after two years, my baby girl went to sleep. 
after like an angel broke through the ceiling and placed a hot coal in my daughter's mouth and declared that she would preach the gospel to the nations. She didn't do that. After two years, she went to sleep because she got really tired. But fear not, my wife and I were smart enough to make another one, to pick up exactly where his sister left off. So there we were again. This time with a crying baby boy. My wife crying, but me not crying because I'm a manly man. But there was a difference this time around. There was a confidence, there was a peace, there was a knowing. I remember one night, Krista turns to me, exhausted but still stunning, and she says, babe, we're gonna be okay because Jesus is still in our boat. And I said, I know, honey, because I taught you that. <laughs> okay, it didn't go that way, but it's something like that. It makes all the difference. So if you're in one of those seasons right now, I hope and pray that this would resonate deep in your being. If you've been through one of those seasons and you know it's taken away from you, I pray that this would build your faith back again. He's still in your boat. He's still in control. He's still up to something good. Can someone say a good amen to that? Yeah.